Hey everyone, before the show kicks off, I want to talk about some of the fine partners we have. The first being Mountain Ops. They have the longest history with us. They're great people, great products. I personally enjoy the Ignite the most. I think it's the Dragon Heart. Does that sound familiar? Dragon's Blood? Dragon's Blood flavor, pretty damn good. If you want to get 10% off your Mountain Ops order, just do order the just use just use the coupon code tag 10 at checkout i can't talk oh good thing i made it through the episode without stumbling all over myself like this just use the coupon code tag 10 at checkout go to mountainops.com and use that coupon code on your order and you will get 10 percent off also coming in hot after that is maven optics go to mavenbuilt.com make yourself up some badass custom optics it's pretty great because now they don't just offer binos and spotters, but they also have a scope as well. Very cool. Can't wait to get my hands on it. You can get yourself some free Maven swag when you use the coupon code NBHGIFT at checkout. And they will hook you up, send you some bonus swag with your order. Also, if you use the coupon code ADVENTUROUS, you can get... I believe it's 15% off your purchase at alpinreels.com. I know they are currently out of that blue stone reel, but they should be back, I think he said, early June. And they have a new reel dropping in July, I believe. And they also have some pretty sick blue line. So check those both out. And without further ado, here's the show. If you are ready to take the hard road, the road less traveled, the path in life where the journey is more important than the destination. Then you are in the right place. Prepare to live with vigor. This is the Adventurous Gentleman Podcast. Welcome one and all to the Adventurous Gentleman Podcast. I'm your host, Will Bradley, and today I'm super excited because I have a fellow upstate New Yorker, a fellow BHA member, a man who makes some super sick custom cutlery, as well as responsible for naming Hank Shaw's new book, Pheasant, Quail, and Cottontail. Please give a warm welcome to my man, Dan Den. Welcome to the show, Dan. Thanks for having me. So, Dan, let's start off with the knives because that's actually i've been following you for a really long time i'm not even sure through instagram or maybe it was facebook i found den custom knives because i'm a huge fan of knives especially badass fixed blade ones when they're made in upstate new york so tell me how did you get into knife making wow about it was almost 20 years ago i think i was like um 38 now. I was probably 19 years old. I was about really to say, how old are you? <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. 38. Started young. You look like you're in your 20s, so good job. Good for you. I still get ID'd everywhere I go. There you go. That's good. <laughs> yeah, no, I uh, I just wanted a knife real bad, and it was it was a couple hundred bucks. Couldn't afford it. I said, I can do that. So I made one. Next thing you know, hey, that's pretty sweet. Can you make me one of them? And it just snowballed from there. And what did you make it out of? My first one I made out of an old butcher knife. All I did was cut the end off a butcher knife. I shaped the handle a little bit, made it smaller so it was kind of hunting style. 
And then, uh, yeah, that was it. <laughs> you said, oh, this looks like a good old knife. I'm going to use it. Good this. enough. Yeah. <laughs> good enough. There you go. So back then, how long did that knife take to make? Probably 45 minutes. That's, that's quick. That's pretty quick. Yeah. Literally a uh, Dremel tool, cut the end off of it, sharpened it up, shaped it a little more with the Dremel, and I was happy. <laughs> Ready to take it into the woods. Yep, yep. And I still have it. Do you really? I do. Oh, you're going to have to post a picture of that so people can go to like your Instagram, which is, I think, Den Handmade Knives. Is that what it is? That's it, yep. Check that out on Instagram. Hopefully, he will have it posted by the time this episode is out. You scroll through and find it. That'd be awesome. And so... Now, how long does it take to make a knife? Some could take me up to 15 hours, 20 hours. So I'm guessing with the time, the quality is also improved. Yes, indeed. Yep, that's, that's part of it. The, uh, like my, my normal fixed blade ones can, can take me in the realm of you know 8 to 10, but when I start getting into the hidden tang, like the antler-handled antler ones, yep. those, uh, they're time-consuming. What what about that is takes up so much time? Is it just fitting it in there? Or? Fitting it, yep. Hollowing out the the antler properly. Um, each, if you see the stacks that are on top of the antler in between the guard and the and the antler, every single line, color, piece of wood you see is a separate little block that I have to drill the center out of and get get it to fit the tang properly. Um, and a little bit of that is is waiting for epoxies to set and stuff because, you know, you can you can only work on it so much. And um, and I see you've got actually I think it's a picture on Facebook where it's the kind of before where it's all blocks of the different materials and then yes you've got one next to it where it's actually finished off and rounded and how do you get it from the blocks to the finished? Um, it's all all grinder work. Um, I'll I'll rough it out on a, I have a. a uh, decent two by 72 inch pretty pretty good size grinder um and uh i'll i'll rough it out and get it to the point where i can start working on it sometimes i need to do some work with hand files a lot of sandpaper um i mean it's just certain things pop up i'll need different tools for so nothing's yeah. out of the question i have stuff i've made tools i've made just for the job so Really? What's what's yep. your favorite tool you've made? Um, I made this this tiny little uh, it picture like an ice picker, an awl, only square, and I just grind a little chisel edge on it, and uh, with that I can sit there and I can literally sort of uh, plane down the inside of the antler to get the the tang to fit in there just right. Oh. It, it's pretty much just a super tiny chisel, is what it is. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. And where do you uh, get your antlers from? Do you just do a lot of walking oh, around cool. in the woods? Yeah, well, I have a lot of a lot of old timers with five gallon pails full in their garages, and buddies that just had a good year, and yeah, that's awesome. So they're not like mail order from some farm somewhere. They're all come. Most are probably to. coming out of the Adirondacks, I imagine. I'll, I'll bet you eighty. 75 to 80% of the, the knives I've made, I can probably not only tell you where the antler came from, but who shot it. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yep. Or drops. A lot, of, a lot of my friends will find drops and just give them to me. 
Nothing wrong with some drops. Not at all. And as as the mice don't get to them too bad. <laughs> yeah, that, that, <laughs> that's that caused extra. The patina. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the, it. The super patina that's finish. Natural finish. I thought you wanted authentic. <laughs> <laughs> so, how did you get involved? Like to where it was a point where you thought, "I'm this is gonna be my job." Uh, probably around four, four years ago, um, I, I was driving a tractor trailer, um, and working on these on the weekend. And it got to the point where if I took every weekend and every evening after work, I was probably looking at being somewhere near a year behind, 10 months, a year behind and people who wanted knives from me. So the books were closed at that point, I take it. Pretty much. And foolish me, I just kept taking them. So uh, it got to the point where, you know, I just said to myself, well, it's now or never. I'd hate to be sitting there when I'm 70 wondering if this could have worked. So I just went all in. And uh, how busy are you these days? Uh, I, oh. I ate through that waiting list real fast when I quit my job. And I was doing it day in and day out. Uh, but now I'm back up to uh, roughly five months. That's not bad. Only five months. <laughs> the five months and and getting more every day. So so to be close, if you guys order now, <laughs> you might get it before hunting season. Not if you're yeah. elk hunting, but if you're whitetail hunting in the Northeast. <laughs> you know, and, and not, I'm like I said before, I'm not complaining, but people like start ordering stuff that that know my waiting list for christmas around hunting season so it, it always seems to happen right the week before hunting season opens i just start getting bombarded oh i'd order today and start asking you about it tomorrow yeah yeah <laughs> how's that, that coming <laughs> done yet yeah yeah can i can i see some updates on it <laughs> and do you have a signature knife or do you just do any designs um, you know, I used to do anything and now I'm starting to hone in on what's popular, what works best. Uh, I tend to fool around a little more with the, uh, the hidden tang knives, the antler handled ones, because you kind of have to build the handle first and the blade later to, to get the right balance. You know, you can't, right. you can't put a big honking blade on a, on a spike horn, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> that might so, look a little uh, silly. So, I, you know, I'll fool around a little bit with that because it, it gives me a, a reason to to try different blade shapes and lengths and styles. But uh, the one that I uh, have named my midsize due to the fact that I haven't come up with a good name for it yet. The that's midsize. That's my popular. Yeah, my midsize because it's in between, obviously, my bird and trout and my, my largest one. So, uh and uh, tell us a little bit about the midsize. What, what are we looking at here? Um, the midsize is it's uh, about a three and a three and a half inch blade, um, seven and three quarter to eight inch overall. Uh, just a great working knife. It's one of those knives where the guys who go through a lot of deer will know it's just about as long as your pointer finger when you're holding on the on the handle. That's that's pretty perfect for when you're trying to get control when you're on exactly. the inside digging out the cavity yep. it's uh it's also the blade is a little bit wide on it so it's pretty good for skinning as well you can kind of 
it's kind of a do-all sort of blade. And are we looking at a convex, a Scandi grind? What kind of grind are we? This is a full, full flat grind all the way up to the top. So uh, what I try to do is go for uh, a uh, zero bevel. So basically, I've, I grind it to the point where before I even sharpen it, it only probably needs 10 swipes on both sides to be able to shave with. You don't want... You don't want too steep of a of a bevel coming off of the side of the knife. You know what I mean? It's right. Uh, they 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 call it zero bevel, but whereas a bushcraft knife would have a twenty degree mm -hmm. bevel on top of your uh, your your flat grind, this goes all the way straight down to the blade edge. So there's absolutely no micro bevel. Right. Right makes it a pretty serious uh, slicing tool. Um, you don't want to go splitting oak with it, you know, like you would with a bushcraft knife, you know. But uh, right. as far as processing critters and, and stuff like that, it's the way to go. So it's it's meant to be a true mid-size hunting knife. Yes. Right. Not uh, Do you do bushcraft knives or do you try I to do. stay more in the uh, nope. hunting knife realm? I have one that I call the Bark Eater, aptly named for the, the Adirondacks. <laughs> for those of uh, you who don't know, there's a little upstate New York uh, knowledge for you. That's what the uh, translation for Adirondacks is. <laughs> yes, indeed. Bark Eaters. So, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I've been making quite a few of them now and uh, been having some good feedback on them. All right. Say someone's cruising your Facebook. Which knife is the one with the, I think it's a bird's eye or curly maple handle, it looks like. I might be wrong. And it's got like uh, bright orange or red scales. I think bright it's on your orange. Instagram as well. I can actually turn, turn this around for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that's basically my midsize platform, only it's just kind of, uh, um, A, it's, it's in Damascus. Right, so, which is slightly and, different. Right, and uh, that's that's more of an EDC. I, I'll sort of thin out the blade a little bit, um, kind of drop the fancy file work and, and make it more of a tactical-style uh, EDC sort of setup. Let's talk uh, about that fancy file work a little bit, because that, that's to me, would be what I would consider. When I think of your knives, I think of the fancy file work done down the spine. Yeah, the uh, I do that all by hand with with uh, small files. Um, pretty much my signature is the the vine looking file work that's on it. But uh, I've also started toying around. And if you look back a little further, I actually have one where uh, a few where I've put an an arrow, a traditional archery arrow, on the top. Um, really, that, I have not yeah. seen that yet. Yeah, I might have seen it, but not remembered. That one's uh, it's a, it's probably a couple rows down in my Instagram feed. I have to fire that up when we're off so I can check it out. Otherwise, yeah. people will be waiting a few minutes for me to talk again. I can't scroll yeah. and think. Just ask and my that... wife. <laughs> <laughs> and w what made you decide to do that on the spine? Because because it, it is pretty unique. I don't think I've seen. I haven't. I know I haven't seen a lot of work like that done on it. Nice. No, it's uh, it's. It's something that I saw a long time ago. A, a gentleman was doing a different variation of it, and uh, I kind of just ran with my own 
style on it. Um, it's it's super popular in in a lot of very high end uh, folders and stuff. A lot of a lot of guys do some pretty wild file work on it. Uh, I just kind of picked the the one that kind of flowed best for me and and works best with my knives and just kind of ran with it. And the arrow, on the other hand, that I don't think I've ever seen anybody else do that. I may be wrong, but um, I, I looked it up, and so I, I decided to make the entire end of the blade an arrow. The, the fletching starts at the handle, and the, the actual tip of the blade is the arrowhead. Wow, that's and, pretty cool. Yeah, it came out looking pretty sweet, and I've actually had people starting to, to, to ask for it when they order, you know? Oh, wow. So it's catching on. Soon someone will be copying it. That's... Oh, any day now, if not already. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. It's the most sincere yeah. form of flattery, right? That's it. Uh, do you make all your own sheaths, or what do I you do? I hand-stitch hand them all. Um, start out with a big, flat piece of leather, and I, uh, each sheath is made to that particular knife. They're not, I don't have a pile of them that I start. Every time I finish a knife, um, I, I make the sheath with that knife in mind. So uh, I, I put sort of a little, almost like a little cam inside the sheath that uh, that catches the, the the handle of the knife when you put it in. So if you, if you see one in person, when you push one of my knives and they almost pop in like Kydex. Oh, wow. I yep, because... Uh, We've all heard about the guy sitting against the tree, taking a nap while he's hunting and getting up, and his knife's nowhere to be found, right? I I did that this past. Uh, I had a Kydex sheath on an Essie. Luckily, it was bright as hell because it fell uh -huh. off while I was in the tree. I must have, you know, bumped something, did something, the whole sheath came right off, and I was able to find it. But, man, talk about when your heart just drops when you have to go look for a knife. Yep, yep. I've known people who've left them in gut piles. I know people who've left them everywhere. Yep. But I, there's nothing worse than, especially if you have a custom knife that you invested some money in and you come out of the woods and it's not there. So I do my best to make sure they stay in their sheets. That's good. And yeah. if people want to order them, they can just go to denhandmade.com for – yeah. Yep, they can email me through there. They can message me on Facebook, on Instagram. Where do people usually get a hold of you the most? Mostly Facebook. Facebook. Yep, second would be through my website, and, and third would be Instagram Messenger. Now, it doesn't seem like a lot of people use Instagram Messenger much. That's, I love it. <laughs> I do too. That's my favorite platform all around. Yeah, me too. And I love knives, so you can see a lot of knives on Instagram. Yeah, you can. Yeah. <laughs> So, how long have you been a hunter for? Um, legally? Yeah, that's uh, a good way to say it. <laughs> since since, uh, since I was legal to do it. So, what's 12 years old? 12 years 12. old, I think. And yep. <laughs> we both shoot, come up with the same answer. It's got to be right. Yeah. <laughs> shoot, shooting squirrels with a 410. And, uh, yeah, I, of course, I went through the lull like everybody else does in their 20s. Because you uh, discover women, hunt, you know, women here, yeah, a little more interesting 
<laughs> Hunt, <Yeah. laughs> shall we say. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and so what's your hunting like now? Um, actually, in the last few years since I started this, it's gotten pretty scant. Um, I still make time. This past year, I went to, went into the Moose River Plains with a bunch of friends of mine for uh, for three days. So outfitter tent, whole nine yards. Really? That sounds like a good time. It is a good time. That's, those- that's my favorite way to do it. But I'm also spoiled because where I live, uh, I hop in the truck, and in 10 minutes, I'm in some of the biggest tracks of wilderness in the Adirondacks. So. For those of you who don't know, the Moose River Plains is an incredibly desolate area of the Adirondacks. One of the I'd say it's probably one of the wildest places on the East Coast. I would second that. Yep, and uh, not too far from me also was uh, Wilcox Wild Forest. Yeah, I I actually saw a moose once going through the Moose River Plains. I was doing the uh, Black Fly Challenge, and yeah. it comes across some swamp area going through the plains. And I stopped to take a leak. And as I was getting just bit to hell by black flies, I looked. And out in the swamp was a moose just trucking wow. through. And I was like, holy shit, that is awesome. Yeah, and, that's the black fly challenge, right? Just going outside in the spring is the black fly challenge. <laughs> that's right. For those of you who don't know, the black fly <laughs> challenge is like a, I think it's 60 miles, yeah, something like that. It's pretty long mountain bike race cross-country mountain bike race, and it goes from uh, Indian River to, I want to say speculator, but I think it's Inlet. Inlet. Inlet, it's on Inlet, and then it switches direction each year. This year, I particularly remember we were going from Indian River south. I think I've done it twice. Maybe, yeah, something like that. But, yeah, it was pretty – it's one of those places you didn't want your bike to break down. No. Nope. Uh, the uh, just to get to Cedar River Flow is 17 miles down a dirt road from from Indian Lake, which I think as that's we all the... know isn't the biggest metropolis to begin with. <laughs> no, no, it's a it's a small. <laughs> I mean, we're talking mountain towns, people. You might not think New York State has uh, mountain towns, but these these are these definitely qualify, and. Yeah. That's that is a because you take the left there by the golf course coming out and you just keep. Yep. That's I don't even know where it goes from there. I just remember riding. Yep, you uh, about I, th- I think it's seventeen miles in. You hit Cedar River Flow and uh, there's a ranger station and a gate. Yep, and yep. then you can and to be honest with you, I think. I think you may end up somewhere near Inlet when you come out the other end of that. Yes, you do. That's because that's what you ride for it. Right. You end up near the park and inlet just above it. You can yeah. take that all the way. And what's cool is, and you might have seen them before, is all the public camping sites uh, along the dirt road. And to me, that's always, I always remember driving, you know, riding through there thinking, one day I'm coming back, I'm going to camp here. Oh. This is a hell of a place. That's our favorite spot. And like you said, they're all primitive. They're all free. You can literally first come, first serve. And that's the one thing, you know, New York State may have a lot of drawbacks when it comes to taxes and some gun laws. But when it comes to public land, the state has done a really great job, not just making sure there's these spots like we're talking about, but also managing a lot of it. 
you know, there's always room for improvement, but I think they're doing a hell of a job. We're actually, um, I'm supposed to team up with, uh, I got this invite from this organization, Trout Power, who I guess they've teamed up with the DEC, and we're supposed to go into the Silver Lakes Wilderness area. Yep. Yep. And uh, fish an area that they haven't uh, done numbers on or any statistics for since the 1930s. Wow. Yeah, so we're going to go in and get some stats, hopefully. And uh, I think, I believe they also, for trout power, they clip the uh, fins to okay, yeah. get the strains and all that researched. So Very nice. Um, yeah. That's, uh, is the guy from J.P. Ross, Flyer yeah, Ross, yep, started that? Yeah, J.P., yep. Yeah, J.P., yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's a that's, good dude. That's cool. Because I know they have, uh, what do they have to five different strains of brook trout now, heritage strains that they know of? Yeah, it's pretty impressive. You know, for anyone who's a real geek about trout, trout bum, it's a cool organization to look into because they discovered, I don't remember if I talked about this on a podcast before or if I talked about it to just a buddy of mine who. Uh, his name's maybe you've heard of him. It's Mark Usick. He wrote a book yeah. called Reflections of a Fly Rod, and he writes a lot for JP's website. And he was telling me they were up at Sagamore, and they were fishing there, and they found a heritage strain that must have gone to the very bottom of the lake when the acid rain and the pH levels got all out of whack. Yeah. And and then they went up further, I guess, into some of the tributaries and found another one, I believe. Wow. Yeah. So some of them are pretty wild. I saw I saw a picture of one and I I think it's called the Tupper Heritage Strain. And I mean this the belly on this thing is jet black and the whole top of it just looks like it's on fire. I mean it's orange oh. red. They're they're gorgeous fish. I gotta I'm gonna make a note of that because I wanna Tupper Heritage Strain. Look that up yep. here. If you're playing along at home, look that up as well. I, it's, you know, the Adirondacks are an incredibly, just they're a special place. They're a wild place, and one thing I'm really happy about is seeing how many other people uh, are now able to connect with like the New York State BHA. Yes. I feel like that's a really active Facebook group. Uh, very active. And uh, it's grown tremendously in the last couple of years. Um, I was actually having a couple of beers with, uh, with Todd Waldron the other night. And I think he said two years ago at this time there was 50 members. And I think they just broke, don't quote me on this, somewhere in the neighborhood of 300 just in the last year and a half or so. Now, how, how do they do the number count on that? Is it what state you're from? Is what chapter you're in? Or do I have to now join the New York State BHA? Because I was not aware if that's what I was supposed to do. Nope, nope. Uh, it's pretty much, it's, it's kind of like Trout Unlimited or some of the other ones where you, you, are, you belong to BHA, but you, you do things with your chapter. Gotcha, you know, gotcha. They, so, they're kind of the local go-to for, for BHA. You know, I was talking about, uh, it might have been Todd I was talking with. I'd really have to look to see who it was. But uh, I was emailing somebody because I'd like to do a pint night in my area. Do some kind of get together. Because those look yeah. like a ton of fun. 
Yeah, I, I I think you if you got a hold of him, then it would pretty much just be something you could take on yourself. You could just say, hey, this night, this time, and because uh, there's another, they just had one in Ithaca, and uh, they're they're popping up all over. The one in Brooklyn, I guess, was huge. They had one down there. Yeah, I saw that. Turn. Yep, and uh, they have one. I think they have one coming up in Lake Placid sometime in the next two weeks or so. Really? Yep. Yep. Lake Placid pint night. Uh, I want to say it was second week of May. Have to look at the date. Yeah. I don't think I have anything that weekend. I'll have to look, double check, because that'd be worth the drive. It'd be fun. Now, what area are you in? Uh, I'm north of Utica, just okay. south of like the, I guess it'd be the southern adirondack border on this side yep. right so i'm about i think i clocked it it's like six minutes to the welcome to the park sign nice very yeah. nice yeah I'm, I'm about six minutes inside the park there you southern, go. inside the blue line inside the blue line i'll tell yep. you what i saw this uh, i got a cool decal the other day it's new york state and with the adirondack park missing from the sticker the decal in uh-huh. dude whenever i see that like it's like, damn, the Adirondacks are huge, humongous. And what when you see can... when you see the Adirondack Park cut out by itself, it's like, oh, that looks big, but you have no idea. It could be a county big, but when you see New York State with the Adirondacks cut out, it's like, holy shit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what do they say? They can fit five of the biggest national parks inside of it. Yeah, I think it's the next five biggest the national next five parks. Biggest... Yeah, and. Uh... Yeah, like you said, New York doesn't do too many things right, but I, I feel like they, they have this right. That's that. That's a special place for sure. And if you make a trout and bird knife, are you a trout fisherman, obviously, we talked about, and a bird hunter as well? Um, bird hunting, besides the occasional turkey, I've done it plenty. Being successful, That's that hasn't been... Uh, <laughs> part of my forte but uh trout fishing though that's that's pretty much my that's my passion i'll tell you what i've discovered some nice public land spots for rough grouse really yeah yeah i discovered them on accident a couple years back and i've been discovering more slowly over time and it's uh Again, that public land, man, the importance of it and the ability to go out there and use these natural resources cannot be understated. Not at all. Not at all. Like, uh, I, I, I feel like in the future I'd like to try and get with some folks and maybe work on some habitat around here. Uh, I see a lot of grouse. Uh, most of the time it's when I have a deer rifle in my hand and not a shotgun and when I'm hunting for deer and not for grouse. Um, but uh, I, I've been I've been seeing way more lately. In the beginning, when I was younger, maybe you would see one every couple of years. Now it's to the point where I'm jumping one almost every single time I go out. You know, it's funny you mention that because I was hiking. Uh, you ever you know where Rocky Peak is? It's just above Old Forge, next yes. to Black Bear Mountain. It's a little yep. little guy. We took the kids up, and 
we're on top of the mountain just starting to head down and i hear that helicopter taking off yeah, sound yep. and i'm like ah oh, there's a rough grouse and it was like yep. what and i'm like ah oh, nobody cares <laughs> <laughs> yeah i get that a lot too I, super excited right there I remember I remember it was probably in my 20s the first time I was sitting in the woods with a gun and I couldn't figure out why the guy down the bottom of the hill couldn't get his four-wheeler started and it was one of them just sitting there beating on his chest doing that that I don't know if you've ever heard them do that drumming that they did Yeah the helicopter sounds like the helicopter taking off it, Yeah it was just far enough where it sounded like somebody just getting their four-wheeler started and it started to putter out and I'm like man this guy's having a heck of a time and then <laughs> Wound up being, <laughs> wound up being a grouse. You know that's that has to be up there with like my top three favorite animal sounds in the wild. Yeah, unmistakable. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Gets my now. blood pumping. Yeah, <laughs> now <laughs> easily mistakable till you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, what what else? What kind of uh, fishing are you? I do. Uh, I'm fly fisherman. That's pretty much. All I do now. I, I hung up the spin rod a while back. Unless, you know, I'm out with a bunch of buddies on a boat or something. But Unless you really want to catch something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, Just kidding. Mostly fish up in the Scroon River area. Uh, the Osable River up in around Placid. Uh, very it, well known. Very, very well known for good reason. Uh, it, it tends to stay cooler much longer than most of the other stuff around here you know the, and that's one thing i really didn't understand when i was younger about these rivers and creeks was the importance of temperature because we have a uh, west canada here and one of the reasons trout power started was because to study the fish in there and they get really affected by the warm water coming in that they dump yes. in because it's controlled by the dam yes indeed and uh you know even to the point where just because they'll still take a fly when the water's warm, you can, it, it's pretty detrimental to them. They can't, they can't get, uh, they, they stress out fast. Right. And I guess you're for spawning, it's water. real bad too. Yep. Yep. And, uh, all sable tends to, you know, it's a mountain stream for the most part, albeit big, but, uh, the water stays cold for, for almost the entire season. Uh, Scroon River, on the other hand, it it really, it can get to bath water temperatures oh, in wow. the summertime. And, you know, it, uh, a lot of the spots I fish, too, I notice the trout completely disappear at a certain point, and you just start catching bass and sunfish in the same runs that you were catching trout. And so they just, they head for deeper water, and, mm -hmm. you know, it's just best to let them be. You know they're sensitive, but I guess they are. They're also hardy. If these some of these strains are surviving, you know the acid rains we had, and the water's definitely improved since then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, um, I've caught some trout in some pretty questionable places, for sure. And I mean creeks that have almost dried up. You're not really expecting it, and uh, yeah, they to be around since the ice age. I'm. I'm guessing they had to be pretty resilient. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Outlast us. Uh, you know, I have yet to fish the off sable. If only I had a friend who could take me and show me the ropes. <laughs> anytime, man, anytime. 
we can we can go shoot fish in a barrel underneath whiteface in the in the catch and release sections, or we, I, I can show you some spots where you you know I don't want to say you actually have some skill. I don't want to insult anybody, but you you know it's 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 a different ball game. But that's yeah. what's great about it is you could take your kids down first time fly fishing, take them to some of these catch and release spots, and they'll have an awesome day. Yeah, and that's great. Good, that's good exactly what up. I need. I need to be treated yep. like a little kid because I'm not good. So, <laughs> you know, I call I call that move too. That's uh, fishing for an invite. I'm pretty good yeah, at yeah. it. Hey, well, you caught one, man. Caught, caught, caught a big one. <laughs> so, what kind of a uh, setup are you using for your fly rod? Uh, I have an Orvis Access. Orvis Access, and uh, I have the first fly reel I ever bought on it. It's a uh, Reddington Rise, which I've used for somewhere in the neighborhood of, I'm guessing, eight years now. And uh, for the money, unbelievable reel. That's awesome. Uh, tie all my own flies, of course. Have some secret weapons that... Uh, that you'll I'll give probably, to your friends? <laughs> probably be able to show you a few if we go. That's, I need all the weapons I can get. I need a nuclear arsenal. Yeah, I have the war chest that I bring out when things <laughs> get real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I uh I've actually been toying with the idea especially cuz of this trip. I know we're going to get into some really small tight streams of getting a 10 car rod. I just got one last year. The wife and I wow. went and did uh the Northfield Placid Trail. Perfect. Perfect. And brought that with us and uh unfortunately I got hurt. Uh she finished and, you're, uh, you're now the second person I've had on this show to talk about knives that also got hurt doing the MBT. Oh, geez, yeah. I, uh, I I hurt my knee, didn't know what was going on, and uh, as much as I hate to have quitted, it was in uh, in Paseco. I made it to through the roadwalk in Paseco and had to bail. Couldn't even walk. <laughs> That's a great area, too, Paseco. Yeah. I've done a little bit of rock climbing there, and we built some camps uh for our construction company up there and another great spot for climbing mountains and have you ever heard of jack gilbert jack gilbert no so he was this backcountry hunter way back before backcountry hunting was like what it is now and see the he, old timer you always see wearing the the deer like a backpack yeah is that jack, him okay that's yep. jack gilbert and he lives or he lived as far as the crow flies probably 400 yards that way from me and he really you know yeah lived across from us for all this time i never knew who the hell he was he's just oh, crazy old guy no yeah i passed away and i didn't know who he was but then as i'm reading and maybe you have you ever read um like backcountry hunting in the adirondacks any of those yep. books by um todd mead no it's um not these this one's by uh spacing on it now shoot There's, but i'm sure uh, they cover a lot of the same ground and There's like Joe Donito and the um, no, uh, what are they the calling trackers. the ADK the, trackers, yeah, right? Not the trackers. This guy, he's written about them too. What the hell is this guy's? Name? Oh, this is gonna. <laughs> people are gonna have to hold on while I do some googling here to find out his name because he. Uh, they're good books. They're they're good books, and um. I just can't think of his name, man. It's crazy. But honestly, they're some of my favorite books to read just for like 
fun, you know, is this guy. Is it a, is it a Robert Elianskis? Yes. Yes. Bob Elianskis. Yes. Those are, those books are the, the greatest man. The, uh, I read, what is it? Uh, Adirondack hunting in the 19. 19- from now. Yeah, 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 yeah. He starts yeah, with yeah. like all that. Yeah. And great book. Love that book. And he talks about Jack in that. And that's where I was like, holy shit. This guy <laughs> lives across the street. Yeah. One of my goals, lifelong goals, has been to find Jack's cabin because it's still standing. It's still standing? Still standing. No way. I, yeah. uh, I, I hear you because I've been, uh, looking to one of those books they had an old camp and the stove was the only thing still standing in the woods yeah he carried and, the, uh, there's a stove in there is it yeah yeah he carried a stove well here's the thing like he carried a stove and he carried in uh sheet metal for roofing so it's gotta be a legit I, little yeah, shack especially if it's still standing yeah yeah and he used to get some, I'm sure you know from looking at the pictures, some huge bucks out of there. I, that's the, the, the one picture that stuck in my mind is that, that old timer with, he literally just wears a deer backpack like a backpack style. to carry yeah. it out. Yeah. yeah. Makes, me, makes me feel like a pussy kind of. But. Seriously. Yeah. Here I am talking about having a back problem and this guy's yeah. 70 years old carrying and they were they were half moose those those deer they were yeah they were they looked like they were horses that's the thing Adirondack bucks can become some big old bucks they're not easy to get though no no you see some of the ones that the uh, uh, the guys that hunt in high peaks there yeah 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 uh, yeah um, that they say they only hunt above three thousand feet because that's where they say the old timers retire to the old the old deer. That'd be cool. A lot of them are pushing 200 and change. Wow. Yeah, two. I think the one year they pulled out one that was two, uh, 235 maybe. Oh. Uh, What is another famous hunting family that I'm thinking of here? The, uh, oh boy, I don't have the Googles on me right now. Uh, no, I just I was looking up that BHA pint night, and it's the nineteenth in Lake Placid, which is when I got a fishing trip. Oh, never fails, right? <laughs> Whenever there's something to do, it's always like everything's on that same weekend. Yep. Oh well. You know why it got postponed, and that's the new date. Oh, all right. Yeah, because I, I was just thinking it didn't really. I didn't remember it being that late in the month. Too bad. Oh well. Yeah, the, I, and that's encouraging to me to see in a book like that that it's not only the old timers, but there's a lot of guys like you mentioned, Danito, and those Adirondack trackers. Like there's guys pulling some big animals out of the woods. Impressive animals, for sure. Uh, he so, he never ceases to amaze me, Danito. I mean, every year. Without fail, as soon as the first snow hits the ground, there's a picture of him sitting next to some of the nicest bucks you've ever seen. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And how did uh, how did fishing with the Tenkara work out? I, that's one thing I wanted to ask you about. The fishing with the Tenkara did not work out well because 
the first stream we got to, we got to in a pouring rainstorm, and we huffed right by it to try and get camp set up. I've used it since, and it, it's awesome. It, it would have been great on the trail, I guess I should say, but we and, never got a chance to use it there. And which one did uh, you get? Just because I believe it's a Tenkara Rodco. The um, I have it right here. Hold on. Some theatrics there for you. <laughs> it I, I think all told this thing weighs about two ounces with a tube or something like that. And that that's just so light. It's it's unbelievably light. And uh yeah, Tenkara USA. The Sato, S-A-T-O. Oh, that's the one I was looking at, too, so now I feel like I have to. Yep, it's, uh, man, it's it's awesome. And it's fun fighting fish on them, too. They're so, they're so light. You know, it's like catching sunfish on an ultralight rod. How much, how much fun that is? Times oh. that by 10, because this rod is, I believe it's, uh, 10 and a half foot long. And that one is adjustable, right? I it is. It is adjustable, yep. And, and uh, so do you, do you adjust it a lot, or do you really just take it all out? and Take it all out, yeah. Well, a couple times I've, I've had to kind of shorten it up a little bit for, for really tight stuff, but for the most part, just it's nice. It's, you, you have it out, hold the, hold the fly, let go of the fly, and just dangle it in the water, and game on. <laughs> That's the interesting Hopefully. thing to me is I was watching the guy who uh, I think he's the head of Tenkara USA, and he was showing ways that you can even shorten it more by just grabbing up on like the shaft and you know you're really just i guess flicking the wrist moving the arm a little bit and i mean i guess that's probably how we started fishing you know <laughs> how kids started fishing i have a buddy he talks about all the time how he used to go up on the black river with just uh some string and a stick and catch stuff with tinfoil and different things tinfoil huh yeah, yeah, all, yeah all kinds of whatever you find put it on a hook and see if it works <laughs> Yeah, the old bamboo rod. That was pretty much the, the go-to thing for, for kids back in the day. Yeah, it was. And what's the, what would you say is the biggest fish you've caught on that bad boy? On the Tenkara? Yeah. So just probably nothing bigger than normal stocky size. Just, just I would say max six inches, seven inches. I'm... I'm gonna try it this summer on the the one spot I go that's known to have some uh, some decent ones on it. I'd, I'd like to get into a real good size fish with it, and see what happens. You know, what you should do is like the season long challenge: one rod, one fly. Yeah, all, I just listen. I just listened to a podcast with Shenard. Uh, uh, um, yeah, Shenard, and he, that's what he said, and he's caught everything <laughs> from tarpon to 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 permits and. And steelhead all on, uh, I think it was a pheasant tail. How about this? We'll both get pheasant tails. Well, you probably already have. I, we probably both have them. But we'll both do summer long. I'll order this rod. We'll be the same rod. One fly. Till the end of August. I'm, Fishing challenge. I'm down for a challenge. Oh, this is exciting. I'm one excited. One rod, one fly. And ten cars. So, no, so that, that really, yeah. That sounds <laughs> like a. 
Well, n- we'll name it like the Chenard Challenge. There's ice. There's ice climbing routes up in the Adirondacks named after him. Is there? Yeah. Yep. What the man ever got into? Yeah, he's a pioneer. They talk about it in. Uh, shit, what book was I reading? One of the books I was reading it actually talks about him because it's like a. It was maybe Murder in the Mountains or something like that. It talks about uh, people getting injured climbing the route or something like that. But yeah, he's. Uh, I mean, pretty big legend uh, in ice climbing and all that. So it's, and there's a lot of great ice climbing up there in that area. Yeah. Off, uh, is it Chapel Pond Slab? I want to say is where it is. Chapel Pond, yeah. All along uh, 73 there, there's, there's, there's a couple. I want to say that's where it is, where... but I'm not sure. It's, uh, you know, what's interesting is I wrote, I, I bought the book, uh, let my people surf because I've always wanted to read it. You know, it's his like business manual. Yeah. It's funny. He tells all the same stories and anecdotes all the time. And they're all in the book. <laughs> I, I listen. I listened to two podcasts with him recently and they and, sound exactly the same. Don't yeah, they? I think he, yeah. he might've rehearsed a little bit. Yeah. Someone's got to get out the box on their questions. <laughs> you know, yep. but that's what happens. He probably, honestly, he probably gets asked the same questions. So, damn often that he's got yeah. his answers just down yeah, how many podcasts have he done that we didn't listen to in the last week yeah it's uh it's it's a good book though highly recommend if anyone's uh interested and if anybody would like to join this challenge send me a message on instagram <laughs> i think that sounds like a pretty fun challenge. that that's a very yeah that, that's a pretty limiting challenge right there all right i'm gonna write this down you do, let's put it this way. It does not have to be if you already have a Tenkara rod. Uh, it doesn't have to be. But I'm going to pick up this Tenkara Sato. I know, I believe they are out of stock at Tenkara USA. But L.L. Bean's got the kit. And I have a gift card to L.L. Bean that I got go. for my birthday. So nice. I'm going to be using it on this rod. So you can pick it up there. At 250 bucks, you're all in. That's kind of tough to beat. And uh, inside, the, you know, it comes with a nice rod tube, but it has a, a rod sock in it that if you leave the tube at home, uh, when I hiked the trail, I didn't want the extra weight of the tube, so I, I just took the rod and the sock. And uh, I was worried about it for like the first three hours. You know, I, I actually it was days before. I was worried about, oh, I'm going to snap this thing if it gets caught on a branch. Thing, it, it It's tough when it's folded up too, so... It's it's an awesome hiking pole for you know it's a lot sure. of carbon stacked up. Yeah, it is. It is. It's almost a solid tube of carbon by the time it's all piled up. I mean, really, when you, when you undo this thing, it's 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 a dainty. It's it's very it, it's super flimsy. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's it it responds awesome. You could feel the littlest little, you know, you get those those little fingerlings come up and and whack them every once in a while, and you can you can tell. You shouldn't miss a set then. Because <laughs> you can't feel it. Shouldn't, shouldn't miss one. But. <laughs> All right, so we're doing Tenkara rod, and what's the fly we're doing? We're doing the pheasant tail. Is that what we said? Oh yeah, we we gonna stick with the pheasant tail? Let's do it. Is that what you want to rock? I mean, he's saying it works everywhere. So pheasant, he yeah, he did, he did. He's at from Alaska to the Bahamas. So and let's say it's got to work here. To September first, because that's kind of when bow season starts getting yeah. near 
got heavier stuff. Yes, indeed. So we'll, we'll yeah, say still from, from uh, actually, I'm going to put an official start date on this. So I have, by the time I get the rod in, I'm going to say it's the, Eleventh, mm, May eleventh. May eleventh. That a good random date that worked for you? That's on. Oh, I'm excited. I'm very excited. This this fly fishing season just became a whole lot less expensive for me. <laughs> <laughs> It'll help a whole lot, a whole lot less lucrative. What's that? I was looking Possibly at reels. A lot less lucrative. Yeah, I was looking at reels the other day. Yeah, I'll be st- I'll be going hungry, <laughs> but if, if it all works out, maybe we'll find some kind of zen zen moments. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Plus, it gives me a little time to uh, ten days ten days to pump it. Ah, uh, you know what? I'm going to push it back just so I can pump it up a little bit more. I'm going to say the 18th. I'm going to push it back one week, May 18th. Is the official start day because I'll make some posts when the rod gets in. It's really, I can't, I can't wait. Actually, that's. Uh, Post. I'm not going to say it gets old catching fish on everything else, but man, that's that's a. Uh, it's a challenge. A challenge. That's a that's challenge. A challenge. For sure. That's a challenge. Yep. One rod, one fly. Be able one to type. start some annual challenge here. And I think it's one type of fly because you he uses sizes. Sizes. Right, right. Which, oh, yeah, we this could be a good challenge every year. A different flyer, a different, you know, just gear, something. Oh, I agree. I'm excited. I've never, I've been this excited about fishing since <laughs> the last time I went fishing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, uh, I know I got to go do some stuff, but please check out Dan's work. Go to Den. I think it's denhandmadeknives.com. Yep. Check him out on Instagram. He's on Facebook. If you are in New York State and a member of the uh, New York State BHA, send us send us, put a little post on there. You're a fan of Den David, ah, Dan's work. Let us know you're listening. And if you would like to take part in this fishing challenge, which is a Tenkura rod and a pheasant tail fly, any size. And obviously, it's not going to be the same one, only one fly, just one type of fly, any size. And we're going to start this challenge May 18th, and it's going to go through September 1st. And I understand if you someone's got a new rod, you want to cast it and all that, but we're going to say 95 to 99% of your fishing should be done on this setup. I like it. And tag us in your pictures. Tag us uh, if you want to do it. Send me a message or tag your rod or whatever you're doing. Let us know you're competing in this. I guess it's not really a competition with anybody but yourself. But still, in the challenge. It'd be interesting to see what people can come up with, though. In the Shonard Challenge. That's what I'm going to call it. The, yeah. <laughs> That's a good name. And is there anything you would like to add? No, I just... Man, I, I just... Thank everybody who's been supporting me so far. And, uh, you know, I just, I love to do it. So I do it the best I can every, every time I make one and hopefully it shows. Hell yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the adventurous gentleman podcast. Please subscribe, like, 
uh, hit us up. I'd really like to see some more people getting involved in this challenge, even if it's just Dan and I. I'm going to have a damn good time, but it's always cool when people from across the country do stuff like this, or the world, really. And uh, if now you're not already a member of the BHA, I'd highly recommend checking it out and uh, considering joining. Also, uh, I don't know. I don't know if I got anything else to say. But yeah, I feel like we got to come up with some sort of fancy hashtag for this. Uh... Hashtag Shonar Challenge. Okay, boom. Shonar Challenge. Boom. The Shonar. Just... The Shonar Challenge. It sounds like it's on, there's a street here in Utica, and it's kind of a rough, rough place. It's called the Shonard Street. So I'm gonna, oh. the show, that's what I think of when I say the show. We go to Shonard Street. That's, Some other things might be popping up in the hashtag. Yeah, there's uh, gonna be some challenges going on on Shonard Street. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, go out there, get your fine asses out, and have a